Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Just like that, second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network, streaming live at OutKick.com. We're back, baby. We're here. We're ready to go. We've got uh, John McClain with NFL headlines coming up. Looking forward to that chat. It'll include his reaction as... The Titans announced today they fired their general manager, John Robinson. It's still hard to believe that they did that. 7-5 and five on the season. AFC South leading and soon to be hosting a playoff game. Tennessee Titans firing their GM on December the 6th and not February the 6th or whenever you want to make that change after the season, which is, I think, we're in agreement here, um, which would happen right after the wild card round. Right, well, I don't think they're a team that's very good or capable of winning a playoff game right now. I guess Hutton, the best I will opponents. be in utter shock if the Titans more beat anyone then, in the playoffs or now. I I was more shocked seeing John <laughs> Robinson fired today than I would be if the Titans won one playoff okay. game. But I would still be shocked if if they won a single game in the playoffs. Chad, I am never shocked when Tom Brady leads a comeback like he did last night. Um, I, I, I was, he's walking, he's jogging to the huddle with five minutes to go roughly, uh, down 10. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is a lifeless offense, you know? And then he threw that pick or it was bobbled or whatever. It wasn't actually intercepted, but it appeared to be initially and it was ruled incomplete. And you're thinking, man, this is, we're seeing the bucks really tail off here. And then they go down and score twice and win the, win the game. Incredible. And again, he does it again. They win 17-16 over the Saints. Yeah, the whole sequence where they got the ball back, you know, at 16-3 only because Ingram was hurt and stepped out early and then incomplete, and then they, they punt it back and Brady scores twice. Incredible. So I was at a, a, a Christmas dinner last night and not watching the game. I looked in the bar at one point to see the television to see it 16-3 with six minutes and change left. And I'm thinking, man. The Saints really do just have Brady's number. He can't do anything against them. It's amazing. Yeah. And then I started thinking, you know, the dude's 45. Um, I, I'm just thinking about myself right now at 40, and obviously he takes much better care of himself than I do. But I'm thinking, you know, no way. <laughs> maybe, just maybe, I'm trying to avocado ice cream, but it's not, not working, not to the extent of Brady. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, maybe, hey, the guy just does is not as fast reflex-wise. He just can't see things as well. And the Saints are ex- exploiting that. And he's just, you know, not the same. And every time I let that thought creep into my mind. I know. By the time I got in my car and got home, I then look at my phone again. No distracted driving. Didn't look at my phone as I drove. Get home, look at my phone, and I see 1716 Brady. And I read about it and I watch the highlights. And I thought. I am so stupid for allowing myself once again to think that Tom Brady ages like anyone else and that he's losing it. Because every time I think that, 
he strikes. I know. Here's the other thing it's, I thought last night. It's impressive. Watching that finish, Dennis Allen is definitely one and done. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to add him to the Nathaniel Hackett list. Todd Bowles could be too, depending on what happens with the Bucks. No doubt. Um, the 44th career fourth quarter comeback for Tom Brady. That's the most in NFL history. He also picked up his 56th career game-winning drive. That's extending his own NFL record already. And the Buccaneers totaled 130 yards on their final two scoring drives. They had 168 total yards prior to that possession with 531 remaining. Bucks win. And you feel like there's an energy there now. You know, they're now the driver's seat of the NFC South as we it's head into bad week division. 14. Yes, yes, it bad is. Bad division. Um, other headlines out there. Uh, how much money has been offered to Aaron Judge? From the, uh, from the I Giants? I need to see the exact number. Would I you say 361? It's either 361 or 391. And I get my sixes and nines confused sometimes. And, and, and meanwhile, I'll, I'll make sure to double Trey check Turner that. has turned down more money to go to Philadelphia. So Trey Turner turned down a record $331 million contract from San Diego to go to Philadelphia. Wow. Keep in mind, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been their shortstop. He gets busted for roids or yep. whatever it was, deer antler spray or whatever, Something. some sort of performance-enhancing substance. And it looked like they're moving on from him. Now, they get turned down, and he goes to Philly, so maybe that changes some things. But, yeah, I'm going to find what Aaron Judge has been offered with the Giants. The thought is, from every writer that I read nationally, the Yankees still hold the advantage. But there's also no guarantee that Judge goes back to the Yankees with his Giants offer and sees and to see if they can match. Okay. That he may just make the decision one way or the other. And how about the, the headline last night where Cashman's saying that Steinbrenner's putting his money where his mouth is or whatever in response to the free agency for Judge? And I'm thinking, uh, we know what the Giants have out there, so good luck. So here, here it is. This is from uh, John Heyman, who um, covers the baseball for the New York Post. Giants are in with a big offer, believed to be in the $360 million neighborhood. But the assumption belief among rivals is that the Yankees remain favorites. Yankees are hopeful, but say they still don't know. So that's someone talking directly to the Yankees. I hope Aaron Judge stays the Yankees. I am not a Yankees guy, but I, yeah, I, do too. I, I just think it's better for yeah. the sport. Um, it's rare for it's the sport. It's better for his legacy, you know, that yeah. you don't mix it up right now. I mean, he's a lifelong Yankee well, I mean, and his, signs a long contract. The 60 homer I think it's good for everyone. chase mattered because he, he did it as a Yankee. I mean, that's why it was covered to that great extent, you know, because you're, you're, you're passing Ruth and Maris and you're on your way to the AL crown for home runs in a single season. At least that was the narrative. We have Baker Mayfield news okay. as of right now. This from Adam Schefter. Former number one overall pick Baker Mayfield was claimed on waivers today by the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams now inherit the remaining $1.35 million on Mayfield's contract. Mayfield expected to fly to L.A. by tonight. Could play Thursday night versus the Raiders. And they don't. I mean, Stafford's done. He has a contusion on his spinal cord or something is what uh, McVeigh said earlier this week. So, yeah, this is limping into the, the offseason for Baker Mayfield. He's a free agent again. And maybe he sticks, but maybe not. But he's not San Francisco's quarterback. And that's probably the most important note here for a team that is very desperate for some quarterback play if Brock Purdy were to get hurt. Let me ask a dumb question right now. Why do you do this if you're the Rams? 
What's in it for you? You're not going to the playoffs. Yeah, just I guess yeah, to why, evaluate why are, you, him. why are you inheriting the contract and not just let him, you know, I just... I don't know. I, I don't like this. I really like Baker Mayfield to the 49ers because they're a playoff team. So, and they've got Brock Purdy starting for them right now, and there, there could yeah. be an opportunity. I mean, there's an opportunity with the Rams because Stafford's out, but I don't get it unless you think that there's going to be some sort of tryout for him, that he's still got something that... He could really help you long term. I just don't. If you're no, gonna I'm have, with, a, I'm with you. If you're gonna have a rent a player for the for the home you're stretch, in the chase. then you should be in the chase. Yeah, I agree. This seems selfish of the Rams, <laughs> the <laughs> team that just won the Super Bowl last year. Like well, what? Uh, but it's if you're, also if you're San Francisco or someone said we could use the guy, but who's also got a lot of experience. I mean, what they're what they're also saying. I mean, again, I'm just kind of spitballing here because I agree with you. It's strange. Um, they don't have draft picks. So if you want to evaluate quarterbacks, that could potentially be a backup for Matthew Stafford, who has now a spinal issue. And McVay said not being able to throw this offseason definitely affected his overall play all season long with the elbow and other things that he had going on. If you think that's an issue again going into this offseason, you need to have some options. And they get five games now to determine if Baker Mayfield should be an option or not within their offense. That, to me, makes the most common sense for why they would sign or claim for a million dollars, roughly, Baker Mayfield today, uh, because you can now evaluate him against what you already have, and they're already saying that there's a chance he could start against the Raiders on Thursday Night Football. So that's my best guess, Jeff. Other than that, it was selfish, as you said, just to keep him away from San Francisco. I don't like it. It's a selfish move by McVeigh and the Rams. Uh, I want I want my Baker Mayfield uh, in Northern California and not Southern <laughs> California. So damn you, damn you, Rams. <laughs> uh, Chad, you know what I like? College football's twelve team playoff that we'll get in about uh, a year and a couple months in twenty twenty four, um, uh, two years. And looking at the current twelve team playoff, if we had one this year, here's what it would look like: Tennessee hosting Kansas State at Neyland, TCU hosting Tulane. Moving on to the other bracket, Alabama would host USC. That's awesome. Yes. And Ohio State would host Penn State. I dare Caleb Williams to write what he normally writes on his fingernails for Bama. That's a, that's a common refrain in the South. Those yeah. two words together, I dare him to write that for Will Anderson in that game. That would, that would trump the Vanderbilt player who was chanting, we want Bama. After their early start that swiftly ended. What with, was the final that choke game? Out. It was like 59-3 or something, right? Was that yeah, I don't know if they scored. I want to say yeah. it was like 55 nothing. Fair enough. 62 nothing. So, But Georgia would get the winner of Tennessee and Kansas State. And TCU Tulane would move on to face Utah. Michigan gets the winner of Alabama and SC. And then Ohio State gets the uh, – Ohio State-Penn State would get Clemson. I, I, I mean, this is a perfect structure. And the debate would be between Team uh, 11, yeah, who, who's worthy of Team 11 because Tulane is the highest non-Power 5 school would get in automatically as the 12th seed. I, I love it, and it's hard to imagine a year once this starts where it's not going to look really cool. This year is a good example. This is the first year we really talked about it, what it would look like now, with the new format. Let's add in. Utah gets a bye. Because it's the conference, top four yeah. ranked conference champs. Puts a lot more emphasis on that conference championship yeah. weekend for those teams. Yeah. That's great. 
Yeah, I, I like and the, the big loser. Here. I like that you still protect the top four, much like the old system, and that they're the ones with the buy. The four teams actually playing for the championship yeah. now, but these first round matchups. Well, I, I get more excited thinking about first round matchups on a on an actual college campus being hosted by a team in December. I get more excited about that than I do when they start going to the neutral site bowl games. I also wonder, Chad, like think about what the loss to A and M would mean here for LSU. They're out of the 12-team playoff at the end of the year. They would have to win their conference to get in based on the way the rankings would be this year, which is remarkable considering where they were at five overall before the game against A&M. Yeah, I wish there was some way to avoid um, a, a rematch of a conference game in the first round. If I'm nitpicking here, the one thing I don't love is an Ohio State-Penn State rematch just this time in yeah, Columbus. It, right, yeah. And not Happy Valley. But other than that, this is really cool. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts at Outkick360. You can join us on the discussion as well with John Robinson, who's fired today as the general manager of the Titans. We will dive into all of the NFL headlines straight ahead. John McClain about to join us from Gallery Sports. We'll scroll through all of the news and notes from Week 13 and look ahead to the final five-week stretch. Next on Outkick360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. NFL news as we welcome you back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Baker Mayfield claimed by the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers uh, team doctors through Adam Schefter saying that Garoppolo is not going to need surgery. It's not a Liz Frank injury. And if rehab goes well, he could return in seven to eight weeks, making him a potential playoff contributor. John McClain joins us as we hit the headlines Leading off the headlines today, John, John Robinson fired as general manager of the Tennessee Titans, who sit atop the AFC South at 7-5, back-to-back losses against the Bengals and the Eagles. Uh, we, we opened the show by saying we were stunned, and, and everyone here in town is in regards to the organization parting ways with Robinson now. What do you make of the timing of this, and what was your initial reaction personally? Right quick about Jimmy Garoppolo coming mm-hmm. back. Remember, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And he's not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize him getting the biggest payday of his career. So I'm guessing we won't see him again unless they're in the Super Bowl. As far as John, who I did charity events with and I have the utmost respect for, and he, of course, land on his feet. And he's walking away with a lot of money because he just got a new contract. I was on uh, my regular Tuesday show in Houston on the Texans flagship. And as they have when there's breaking news with the Texans, this ding, 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 ding went off. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what have the Texans done now? And when they read me about John, I thought there's probably nothing else they could have read me that stunned me more than John Robinson being fired. Number one, timing. And people go, oh, all general managers do it this time of year is worry about waivers. Uh Uh-uh. Those GMs are worried about free agency. They're worried about the draft. They meet with their pro department, their college department. 
Now, Cowden's very respected, and he's interviewed for GM jobs, and he might be ready for a GM job. Who knows if he's going to get it? But uh, there's got to be more. Everybody tries to say it's because A.J. Brown. Anybody <clears throat> other than nincompoops knows you can't judge trade after less than one season. We knew A.J. Brown was great. We knew they were going to miss him. But you got to wait and see what happens to the players they get. A.J. Brown wasn't a first-round pick. So it's ridiculous to think he got fired over that trade, and the timing was interesting considering they just lost to him. There's got to be something else there that Amy Adams Strunk did not like about what John was doing, and I don't know if the truth will ever come out. Yeah, I don't think that he was fired just because A.J. Brown went off against them in this one game, but you mentioned the timing, John. The timing is interesting to me because it's almost a move to – as a it's a show of strength or a show to the fans that, hey, this just happened, and less than 48 hours later, now's the time that we're going to fire John Robinson. So even if it's not that one thing, it certainly looks interesting that that happened. And I, I will say this. The trade right now, I, I will say, is a failure only because the Titans' goal is to win a Super Bowl, and they're worse right now. You're right that two, three years from now, Traylon Burks may be an all-pro, A.J. Brown may be on his way down, and we're looking at this trade differently at that point, and the Titans you know, may be okay then because there's a new quarterback and this and that. But bottom line is it was a team that was a number one seed in the AFC a year ago, and this year, they're not a contender. They're going to win the AFC South because the AFC South is terrible. And I think we saw another example of that against the Eagles where they're not even competitive in that game. Um, I agree with most of what you said, Chad, like, and I'll say this. I don't know GM's been fired this time of year. Not just the fact that he was 22 or 23 games over 500. You know, he's one that went after Mike Vrabel. He knew him very well. And I know some of his picks haven't panned out, but he's made some other good ones. And he he worked in uh, in lockstep with Mike Vrabel on picks. And we all know Vrabel. Nobody liked trading A.J. Brown. John Robinson didn't like trading A.J. Brown. But as the Eagles and other teams like the Rams have showed, if you really want to keep somebody, you can make it work. And of course, the Titans are worse. I don't think they would have been a Super Bowl contender if they still had A.J. Brown. They would have just won the division more decisively and might have won a playoff game. But uh, right now, they're still going to win it. But it's still, it's great defense. Not much on the offense. And of course, the Eagles have beaten a lot of teams bad key is what do they do from here on out to generate some momentum and some enthusiasm for the playoffs because they will host a playoff game. John, and just to get your reaction to the, the overall just view, the 30,000-foot view, and, and you know as well as we do how awful this franchise was prior to John Robinson arriving, prior to Amy Adams Strunk being the controlling owner eight years ago, um, Vrabel as well, and – we know how beloved Robinson was with Strunk, same as Vrabel. And the work that Robinson did in, in part with Vrabel to rebuild this franchise to a point where they are now, where expectations are as high as they are, and that's, due, and, and that's a compliment to them, where it, winning the AFC South isn't good enough, right? You've reached that bar. The bar is now, it's, it's risen to a different level. 
But what's intriguing about it is on December the 6th, and I'm with you, there's got to be more behind the scenes with this. On December the 6th, they release a paragraph statement, she does, that was, I mean, that's what you do for Mike Reinfeldt or Rustin Webster on these awful seasons. That's what you do for uh, Ken Wisenhunt. You know, we're moving on. It's not good enough. We're moving on. This would, this just felt weird and how everything went down and the timing of it because behind the scenes, this is not an organization that points a lot of fingers and points things as to why things are going certain ways. They don't make excuses. Vrabel and Robinson talk about next man up. And to be 7-5, and five, even if you believe the results are going to be not good enough, don't you at least wait on the results to happen before you make a change like this? The, the, the candidate, if it's not Ryan Calden, and he's not even technically the GM right now. He's acting GM, but he's keeping his same title. They made that clear in the statement. The, the candidates right now, John, are in other front offices across the league. So it's not like you get a leg up on that like you would whenever you could actually make a move if you believe you're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. This can't be just a football decision. You make those after the season, not when a team's trying to win a division and win a playoff game, and that's why I can't wait to see what it was. We all thought that threesome of Amy Adams, Strong John Robinson, and Mike Vrabel be together for quite a while. And uh, right now, you know, Mike, Mike Vrabel's strong enough. You know, Mike has a very strong personality, as you guys know. GM's going to have to work with Mike, and uh, and and Mike's a hell of a coach. There's a lot of people out there, I think, that would hire Robinson in their personnel department. Immediate speculation here with Nick Casario, who worked with John forever in New England, would he try to bring him in in the offseason to work with James Lipford, another Patriot who's had a personnel, Ziegler and McDaniels. And uh, – Vegas, what they do it, Jason Light with the Buccaneers. So if John wants to go to work in personnel, he's not going to have any trouble. Problem for him is very few GM jobs come open, and there's been so many open in recent years. We might not see one or maybe not more than one or two, but I think everybody that knew John while he was a general manager there, knew him before he was a GM there, when he had that brief time with Jason Light at Tampa after he left New England, wishes him the very best and thinks he'll do a really good job. And I hope for the Titans' sake that uh, this move doesn't backfire and they make all the right moves. It's too late to do anything for the rest of this season, and everything will have to be channeled to the offseason, free agency, and the draft. John, I think too much is made of Mike Vrabel's association with Bill Belichick. Uh, there's there's too much, oh, this is a Belichickian move, and personalities are different. They're different guys, but they believe in some of the same things. I will say, though, one thing I do think they now believe in is control over their own personnel and more of a say in who's being drafted and who's being brought in. What do you think about this move maybe signaling Mike Vrabel, not with the GM title, technically, but Mike Vrabel as more of a Belichickian figure with this Titans team where he's going to have final say and a lot more say on who's drafted and who the Titans bring in from a personnel standpoint. Well, he won't have the power Belichick has because he controls who has pens and pencils. And he earned that, <laughs> he earned that right. And in Mike's case, I'll guarantee you that he – he gave his opinion to John Robinson. If Mike said, I absolutely don't want a guy, John didn't bring him in because then Mike wouldn't play him. And vice versa, if Mike insisted on having a guy, John didn't like him, and then John didn't bring him in, 
You know, now a guy like A.J. Brown trading him, that was a financial decision. And you know Rabel didn't like it. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Mike didn't get more influence. There's coaches across the NFL, and I see media say, well, boy, John Lynch drafted. No, John Lynch didn't draft anybody. Kyle Shanahan did. Has in his contract. He has final say. Sean Payton had final say on everything in New Orleans. And where he goes, he's going to have to have final say. Uh, Andy Reid has it. Of course, Belichick has it. Pete Carroll has final say on everything. But people, they still have a general manager. And so I could see that. But whoever it is has got to realize then Mike's going to be running the personnel show. And even though I have the title of GM, I'm really like a personnel director. John McClain with us. You can follow him at McClain underscore on underscore NFL from gallerysports.com. John, the Rams claim Baker Mayfield, and with five weeks to go, the thought here is Stafford has a, a contusion on his spinal cord, apparently, according to Sean McVay. Um, he's already been banged up. He had an elbow issue this offseason. McVay said not being able to throw this offseason affected his overall play. And they're going into another offseason where they don't have draft picks. And this is a chance for them to evaluate Baker Mayfield. Do you buy that that's the reason why they claim him with five weeks to play in the regular season for a team that's not going to the postseason? No, I think they got him because they're desperate. They're having to use a third-string quarterback. They got the worst record of any post-Super Bowl winner. I'm sure they don't want that dubious distinction. There's no way Baker Mayfield's going to start over Stafford if Stafford's healthy next season. Stafford's not going to play anymore this season. I thought the 49ers might do it. They're already down to their third quarterback, uh, Brock Purdy, the rookie, seventh-round pick, Mr. Irrelevant. They signed Josh Johnson, who's been with like 40 teams, including several multiple times. And I kind of thought they might do it. But uh, and Kyle Shanahan's a really good quarterback coach, and so is Sean McVay. I think it's very intriguing to bring him out there. But if Cleveland didn't want him and Carolina didn't want him, there's a good chance he's not going to last long there. What he needs to do is have a whole offseason with a franchise and go in with the idea is I'm happy to be a backup. Anything you need me to do, I'm ready to go and convince them that uh, his former role as the first overall pick and the man in Cleveland, he understands it's not going to be that way again. John, as we sit here today, going into week 14, are the Cincinnati Bengals the team to beat in the AFC? I don't necessarily think they're going to be able to beat the Chiefs two times. That's hard enough to beat them one. They've done it. They beat them in the playoffs last year. To me, the odds are running out that they're going to keep being able to do it with uh, Lamar Jackson's injury. And he's not playing very well. He picked a bad time not signing a contract extension. The Bengals and the Chiefs would seem, and I haven't given up on Buffalo, those three teams, two of them will end up in the AFC championship game, barring monumental, monumental upsets. And uh, one thing they all have in common, great young quarterbacks. Let's talk about the Eagles on the side of that Titans-Eagles game, John. I just continue to be more and more impressed with that team and the different ways they can beat you. Titans loaded up against the run, didn't matter. Jalen Hurts went to work through the air. What do you think of that Eagles team? Um, Jalen Hurts in his third season last year, they didn't want him. They wanted Deshaun Watson. And can you imagine if Watson had been there instead of Hurts? 
and Hertz has improved each year. They're doing a great job of coaching him. His dad's a coach here in Houston, longtime high school coach. He showed he's very coachable no matter what they want him to do. Run, pass, throw the run. He's versatile. He got better in college at Alabama and Oklahoma, and they just better hope he stays healthy. And then Howie Roseman, the general manager, has done a good job of filling in around him, not just with A.J. Brown trade, but veterans in the defensive line. Texans with Damian Pierce, he beat them up big time, rushed for about 138 yards in the game against them. It's 14-14 halftime. Texans were down by six in the fourth quarter before the Eagles scored to put it away. So they had to go out and shore up their run defense, and they did with two veterans. And so I like what they've done. They have a veteran team. They can run. They can pass. Can't wait till they play the Cowboys again because that is going to be a big game with a big audience. Commanders and Giants as well in the division. And you know, in many cases, their poor scheduling happens in the NFL where we get back-to-back matchups over a course of about three weeks. In the Commanders' case, they're getting two straight games against the Giants because they're in the bye week this week. But here we are because of the tie where the next game on December the 18th between these two franchises, John, effectively is a, a play-in type scenario for the winner because of the, the wild card chase and what it can mean uh, detrimental for, for the loser of this and a tiebreaker, what do you make of the, of the two teams? Who would you uh, bet on right now? Which side are you on, given the fact that we've seen the tie now, 2020, in week 13? I think that's why the Giants went for the tie. They knew this. And who would have thought that the Giants and the Commanders would have been any good? I thought they'd battle for last place, and the other one was clearly destined for third, while the Cowboys and Eagles would compete for the division. Right now, top to bottom, that may be the best division ever. We all thought the AFC West was going to be the best, and it's a it's a kind of an old-fashioned division where they all of them want to have running games. And the best thing about Philadelphia is the Eagles can run, they can pass, and I still think Boy, the Giants with Daniel Jones, and it's still you have to shut down Saquon Barkley. They just don't have the talent to get in. Where Washington has going with Chase Young coming back, four defensive linemen taken in the first round. Their run defense and their pass rush is outstanding. They have two quality running backs, not great quality. And then Taylor Heineke's playing better than anybody thought, and they didn't want him. You know, they wanted Carson Wentz. So I think Washington with Ron Rivera is going to end up being better than the Giants just because Washington seems to have a little more talent on offense. A a Giants win against Washington in week 15. And this is assuming, by the way, that the Giants lose to the Eagles this week. Just take that for what it's worth. That's a good assumption. Okay. Uh, a, A Giants win against Washington would put the Giants odds at 82% to make the postseason, Washington would fall to 29%. A Washington win would give the Commanders an 88% chance at the playoffs. The Giants would fall to 18% chance to make the postseason. Another tie would benefit the Commanders. 61% chance compared to the Giants' 31% chance to make the postseason with a second tie in three weeks for what it's worth. John, um, let's see if you buy this. I think the Cowboys actually end up in a great spot and they don't know it because Odell Beckham Jr.'s knee isn't ready fully for uh, to, to sign and join the team yet. The reports are through Ed Werder that the team doctors in Dallas believe he wouldn't be necessarily ready until mid-January. 
And if that's the case, he may not be ready until next season. I don't think they're better with Odell Beckham Jr. because I think it takes away from the run game. And I think this Dallas team is far better going through Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott than through the arm of Dak Prescott as the priority. And I think if you add Odell Beckham Jr., that priority changes a little bit. That's a great observation, Jonathan. I agree 100%. If Beckham is in the lineup, you're going to feel pressure to get him the ball. I don't know why everybody thinks he's the be-all, end-all. He's coming off a second consecutive scope. He's bounced around the NFL, but people act like he's the second coming. Maybe he will be next year, but it would be so unfair to expect him to miss all season and come in and catch everything thrown to him. And you're right, this time of year and in the playoffs, they better rely on Pollard and Elliott. And it is Pollard and Elliott, not Elliott and Pollard. And when you think about how Dak Prescott played the playoffs last year, they better hope he plays a whole lot better. I'd love to see the Cowboys and the Eagles end up having to play three times. It's a great rivalry, and both of them have different strengths to throw against the other team. I can't wait to see them play. And then when you're talking about the Giants and Commanders, the bottom line is that is a big game. And who would have thunk it? Yeah, and so as you mentioned, so is the Christmas Eve matchup between the Cowboys and the Eagles. John, um, describe for us the scene in Houston as Deshaun Watson took the field for the first time after that opening possession interception. Stadium was about half full, as we thought it would be. And uh, when he came out on the field for the first time in pregame, he was booed. Every time he went up to the line scrimmage, he was booed. He played terribly, but that's to be expected. Been 700 days since he'd thrown a pass. There were a lot of ingenious um, signs in and outside the stadium, and the Texans didn't do anything to try to remove them. The best one I saw was some women had this big sign it had the, the the Predator from the movie Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and the face on the Predator was Deshaun Watson. And in pregames, when he went out right before the start of the game, he saw Cal and Hannah McNair, the owners along with Janice McNair, and he went over to shake their hand, and Hannah turned her back to him. And Cal shook it briefly, and then he went back onto the field. But Hannah McNair got a lot of praise for turning her back on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, good for her on that one. So I'm watching the game you said about half full. I, I think you may be even being a little bit generous when I look at that crowd. And I don't blame <laughs> anyone for not going to these games, John, at all at this point. Um, is that fan base in Houston, is this a, and we've seen this some in Nashville with the Titans too, is this a ticket sold but unused issue where it's season ticket holders not going? Or is this a ticket sales issue this year? And has there been any level of irreparable damage done to summon that fan base with what's gone on with this really kind of a clown show starting with Deshaun Watson not wanting to play there in Houston? Chad, like no damage is done irreparable. If you win, fans come back. The bottom line is my lead on my column after the game for gallerysports.com was the Texans are sucking the spirit out of Christmas. And they are because their offense with Pep Hamilton is the worst I've seen in franchise history. Their offense has given up three touchdowns in the last two games. The defense has given up three touchdowns in, I'm sorry, last three games. And the offense, Kyle Allen, is worse than Davis Mills. And I blame Mills' regression on Pep Hamilton, the first-year coordinator in Or You guys can tell Tim Kelly, all those fans and media 
booing him last year because they wanted a new coordinator. They would probably pay him to come back to town. And uh, so right now, I think they're going to clean house on the coaching staff. People here want D'Amico Ryans, one of the all-time popular players, the red-hot coordinator, defensive coordinator for the 49ers to be hired. They had first pick in the draft, draft quarterback like Bryce Young, and just start over. But the defense is not the issue. It's the offense, and really it started with the Titans game. They just totally dominated that offense, and they started with the interior offensive line to shut down the run. And right now, they can't do squat. John Filet, what'd you make of Brady's comeback last night? Down, what, 16 to three, and ends up going to win 17 Every time I think he's done, John, he comes up with something. Every time I make the mistake of thinking that, here comes Brady. I got up, I said it's over, put on my cap, went outside, walked about two miles, came back, couldn't believe it. Don't know why I couldn't believe it. It's Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in NFL history, and he kept them in first place. You know, their offense is not very good. I thought people don't want to play him in the playoffs, and I think they still don't want to play him in the playoffs. But, uh, man, he's still capable of beating just about anybody. But three points for most of the game, that was so unbrady like And then he unleashed the beast. Unusual move. They've released Jalen Darden from their roster today. The Bucks have the day after their Monday night football game. And that's um, interesting because he's a return specialist. So I guess they're going to use Rashard White there because Leonard Fournette's back healthy. But again, unusual to see the return specialist let go um, in, in December. John, thank you as always. Loving the work at uh, gallerysports.com. And we'll catch up soon. Hey, tell Mattress Mac we said hi. I'll do that. I'm seeing him. He's introducing the Lombardi finalists. Tomorrow night for the Rody Lombardi Banquet, I'm presenting an award. I'll tell him you said that. Guys, thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you next week. Yep, same here. There's John McClain. McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Add a few other underscores if you'd like. The, the man gets it done. Uh, multiple underscores or not, the guy gets it done every time. Uh, I'll admit the the player that announces he's returning to the SEC is surprising. Snacks and Outkick 360. Shannon Terry founder of On3 Sports, will join us in roughly 10 minutes on the show. Looking forward to that. Outkick 360 rolls on. I'm, you know, we open the show by saying we're stunned that John Robinson, Titans general manager, was fired today. And we are. I am really surprised about our next discussion. Kayshawn Booty, wide receiver for LSU, is returning to LSU next season. Chad, uh, for a number of reasons. I think first and foremost... He is right there in line with uh, Pittman and Addison, Johnson, and others that are amongst the most talented NFL prospects. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And for the majority of the season, he wasn't a feature of the offense, right? Like That's the other thing that's very surprising about it. Um, I'm surprised he's not going to the draft. I guess I'm also surprised he's not like looking around a bit. But hey, this is great for LSU. 
because he is legitimately one of the top wide receivers in the country, just pure talent. And when he's on, he's on. Remember, he what did he do? Did he take the stuff off? Did he do the old thing where you take the LSU stuff off of your bio? He did that. On social media after one game this year, and everybody thought, okay. He's out. He's gone. He's going somewhere else. And he so, said he, he was doing it for uh, distraction purposes. But Brian Kelly, mm-hmm. being the savvy old vet that Brian Kelly is, as the year went on, he got a little bit more involved. I remember he had a couple of catches against Tennessee, and it was, hey, Kayshawn Boutte, still not a big factor here, but starting to come along. He had the touchdown early against Georgia in the SEC championship on the long reception. So they started to move him more into the offense as the year went along. And for that reason, I think that he got enough touches. He's happy enough. He likes Brian Kelly and the staff and their development enough where he's going to come back and give another shot. But I'm with you. It's almost where you get more surprised when top talent announces they are staying. If there's any announcement, it's usually I'm leaving yes. or there's no announcement and guys are just staying and staying put. That, I, that's becoming more and more rare, though, the no announcement. This is the case where perception is not reality because I would have painted him to a corner of a diva wide receiver who's doing that you know, and is pouting about not getting the football. Again, outside perspective is not reality in this case. Based on his statement, his statement – my growth under the new staff has helped me reach new levels. While we did not achieve the overall goal, we still fought and produced results that will be stepping stones for the future success. The goal is always win a national championship at LSU. That will never change. We made strides this year, but ultimately fell short. That's why I believe we could accomplish many things moving forward. And keep in mind, he also wears number seven, which is a cherished number yep. of that program. And coming back for his senior year, where he says, and the quote was, it's important to follow your dreams and live with results. While some stories end here, mine will not. That, you don't see that nowadays, right? Um, at best, you see guys stay in college football, but not with the team they're on, a.k.a. Jordan Addison. <laughs> so. Well, and so another example of news story today, Jalen Hyatt, yeah. receiver at Tennessee. This is, to me, is where NIL strikes, and it makes so much sense. Hyatt Hotels is going to do an NIL endorsement with Jalen Hyatt. And as part of this NIL endorsement, Jalen Hyatt is gifting the entire Tennessee football team a week's stay in Miami over Orange Bowl weekend. I initially read this and thought, well, the school and the bowl will pay for their stay, and they're going to be there for a week. So it must just be like a free trip anywhere that's the equivalent to South Beach for another week. But my understanding is... It's to get the families of every player there to stay for free. So oh. they post a tweet, him and his dad, about, you know, we understand how difficult it is for families to go somewhere for a weekend to watch their sons play. So this, through Hyatt Hotels, is part of the NIL endorsement. We're paying for every family to come stay in Miami for a week and watch their son play in the Orange Bowl. That's really cool. I mean, this is one that I'm not really that jaded about because, oh, it's Hyatt Hotels. Makes total sense. And Jalen Hyatt, it's an actual mutually beneficial NIL endorsement where he's going to make some money, and this is going to happen. Now, I would like to know how much money is involved here, and is this a deal that gets Jalen Hyatt to definitely play in the Orange Bowl, which now we know will happen with this? Right. Or is this a deal to get Jalen Hyatt to not be a second or third round NFL draft pick and to come back to Knoxville next year for another season? I would think both right now. We'll have to wait and see. Because Jalen Hyatt... There's been no announcement made. He's, he's just going to review you know, things and then come Kayshawn up with a decision. Booty, I like, I'm comparing the two stories here. 
capable of coming back. Like one is a legitimate first round talent. Jalen Hyatt can be. Jalen Hyatt, I saw one projection. Well, I'm trying to remember who did He was very late first round in okay. one of the projections that I've seen. But most of them, but you, it's second or third round. If you have the chance to make some NIL money like this and come back and then improve your draft stock, you're doing that, right? I'm not sure how much Kayshawn can improve his draft stock at LSU. And again, it, it's if, already really good. The choice was, if I had the year Jalen Hyatt just had, he's a Bolitnikoff Award finalist. He had five touchdowns against Alabama <sighs> in a game. Yeah. And I knew that I could be really good at Tennessee, and I've done it before. If you're making some money from Hyatt Hotels and whoever else, I would absolutely come back to college. This is for anyone, Kayshawn Booty, anyone out there. I would come back to college, continue mm-hmm. to develop, and try to work my way into a first-round draft pick if I was widely considered to be a second- or third-round pick. Yeah. If you're a guaranteed first-rounder, you go. You go. And does this impact the the, the does the case? It's hard to get the news? nil money to make it make make sense to not to pass up a first round opportunity. Yeah. If you know you're in the first round. And maybe the money's so good it doesn't impact it. But I wonder if the the Kayshawn booty news affects Hyatt at all. It's one less top receiver. Good on the board. I think that Hyatt hotel money though probably sure. affects the decision even more than that. Right. But still. No firm announcement one way or the other from him like you got from Kayshawn Booty. On3 Sports has a new transfer portal ranking. The founder of On3, Shannon Terry, leads off hour number three with us. That's next and I'll get 360.